Good morning. It is Kale and Company live right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. That would be 1450 on the AM dial. This station that has been around for generations. 1039 FM in the Concord area, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond. Great to have you with us. And of course, you can stream around the world and around the clock, 24 hours a day at nhtalkradio.com. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend, the first weekend of November. And uh, I'm sure many of you, or at least some of you, uh, probably spent uh, a lot of time watching football yesterday. I know I did from 9.30 a.m. to almost 11.30 p.m. <laughs> it was almost continuous football. And you had to switch back and forth from time to time to see you check up on the NASCAR race and and the New York City Marathon, which was run yesterday. And uh, congratulations to uh, Ellen Raffio, the uh, wife of uh, Tom Raffio, president and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental. Uh, Ellen Raffio ran and completed the New York City Marathon yesterday in around uh, four hours. So uh, congratulations to her. And uh, it was a great day for it in New York. The weather was uh, outstanding. And uh, the winner in the men's category was an Ethiopian, uh, Tamarat Tola. He uh, broke a record, as a matter of fact. He uh, finished the 26.2-mile race in two hours, four minutes, and 58 seconds. And uh, congratulations to him. And uh, Helen Obery of Kenya pulled away in the final 400 meters uh, to win the women's title. She is uh, 33 years old, and she was running uh, New York uh, for the first time last year and finished sixth. So she moved up to uh, number one. So congratulations to them both and uh, all the runners who completed uh, the uh, New York City Marathon. Uh, Marathon, Of course, the uh, Boston Marathon will be coming up uh, in April. And it's always... Uh, a great day in Boston, of course, with uh, the marathon uh, and uh, the Red Sox always play at 11 o'clock on uh, Patriots Day when the marathon is run uh, in Boston. I still don't understand. You know, they, they used to start the marathon, I believe, uh, in Hopkinton around 11 o'clock in the morning. They have moved that up to uh, 9 a.m. So the elite runners are coming across the finish line. And just about at the same time, the Red Sox are getting underway at Fenway Park. Now, the idea uh, of starting the game at 11 o'clock uh, was a good idea when they started the marathon at, at around that time, or maybe even a little bit later than that. Maybe it was like noontime they started the marathon uh, in the, back in the old days. And, and uh, you could actually uh, watch the Red Sox game. And then go over to Copley Square in the vicinity of the Boston Public Library and uh, the Prudential Building and all the other establishments over there and see the end of the marathon. That's why they originally started the game at 11 o'clock. But now it doesn't make any sense. 
to start the baseball game at 11 o'clock. They should just start it at the you know regular daytime game time of 105 or 135, and people would be able to see the finish of the marathon and then go over and, and see the Red Sox if they are so inclined to, to do so. So the 11 o'clock start right now makes no sense for the Red Sox. Players hate it, and... <laughs> It's kind of inconvenient uh, for the fans as well. But nonetheless, we're not going to change that here. But uh, congratulations to the marathon winners yesterday, and especially to our good friend uh, Ellen Raffio for uh, completing that race and getting a uh, very good time. And I think there's a strong possibility that uh, Ellen will be running uh, the race in Boston come April. Well, the, uh, the Patriots... Well, they hung in for a while until the last minute of the game and thought they had a chance maybe to pull it out as poorly as they did play. I mean, it wasn't a very good effort by the Patriots. So yesterday they dropped to 2-7, and seven, uh, losing to the Washington Commanders 20-17. to 17. They did have a, a chance down the stretch to maybe tie it up or even win the game. Uh, but unfortunately, a Mac Jones pass... Uh, went off the hands of Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, turned out to be an interception. And uh, Washington was able to sit on the football for the final 30 seconds of the game. And that was all she wrote in Foxborough on Sunday. And now the uh, Patriots will make the trek to uh, Frankfurt, Germany to take on the Indianapolis Colts this coming Sunday at uh, 9.30 a.m., New England time, anyway. So it was quite a Sunday uh, in the National Football League. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins played in Frankfurt yesterday, and the Chiefs prevailed 21-14. to Kansas City now 7-2 and on the season. Miami drops to 6-3. and In Philadelphia on Sunday, the Eagles, the best team record-wise, in the National Football League, held off the Cowboys on the final play of the game. Cowboys had a chance to win it in the waning seconds, but they were stopped just short. And the Eagles now 8-1 and one as the, uh, the Eagles prevailed over the Cowboys 28-23. And any day that the Dallas Cowboys lose is a good day for me. Uh, in Sunday Night Football, Joe Burrow... Back to being Joe Burrow after a slow start this season. He threw for 348 yards and two touchdowns to lead the Cincinnati Bengals over the Buffalo Bills, 24-18. The football weekend concludes tonight. There's a lot of competition on TV tonight, uh, by the way. The 4-3 Jets hosting the 3-4 Chargers. Uh, that is going to be third on my list tonight of uh, games to watch. That's from the Meadowlands, Jets and Chargers. First on my list tonight to watch will be the undefeated Boston Celtics, the only undefeated team left in the NBA. They are 5-0, and and they will be taking on the 3-2 and Minnesota Timberwolves tonight in an 8 o'clock game in Minneapolis. If you missed it over the weekend, and, you know, there's a tendency to miss some news over the weekend, so maybe you didn't catch up with this, but... Jason Tatum, on Saturday night, became the youngest Celtic ever, ever in franchise history to pass 10,000 points. 
So congratulations to Jason Tatum, who has been playing great. He's off to his best start ever. Uh, Jalen Brown, not such a great game on Saturday night. Uh, but with the talent the Celtics have, uh, even with Derek White being out of the lineup uh, for personal reasons, on uh, Saturday evening they were able to beat the uh, Brooklyn Nets on the road, and their road trip will continue tonight in Minneapolis and uh, go on to Philadelphia on Wednesday. So the Celtics off to a terrific start. The 9-1-1 Boston Bruins, they will be in Dallas tonight to take on the Stars. Bruins lost for the first time in regulation on Saturday to the Detroit Red Wings. So the Bruins are not perfect uh, anymore. But off to one of their best starts, uh, if not their best ever start in franchise history. And you know what uh, kind of year, regular season anyway, uh, they had uh, last year. A former UNH Wildcat, James Van Riemsdyk, is uh, fitting in uh, very well. Van Riemsdyk, uh, former UNH Wildcat. So he's fitting in very well to the Boston lineup. So Bruins are off to a great start. Celtics are off to a great start. Uh, making up for the 2-7 and seven floundering New England Patriots going nowhere fast. Uh, and uh, the sooner the regular season, the sooner the season is over for the Patriots, uh, the better. Uh, but at any rate, they still have, uh, what, 2-7? and seven, So they still have eight games to play, including the game coming up on Sunday in uh, Frankfurt, Germany. And Ryan Blaney, congratulations to uh, Ryan Blaney, who captured the NASCAR Cup Series championship on Sunday. Blaney finished second yesterday, but good enough to uh, capture the uh, series title. Ross Chastain was the winner on Sunday at the uh, Phoenix Raceway, but Ryan Blaney uh, captures the NASCAR Cup for 2023. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental with individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. And coming up, we're going to talk a little Hockey East with our Hockey East guru, John Leahy. And a little bit later on, we will uh, chat with Rick Santos, head football coach at the University of New Hampshire, coming off a, a Saturday loss to the Wildcats of Villanova. As the Wildcats beat the Wildcats on a Saturday in uh, Durham, New Hampshire. We'll take a break. Kale and Company continues right here. WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. Great to have you with us on a Monday. We'll be right back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. It's a Monday, and uh, we're talking sports on this Monday morning. You know, uh, John Leahy, good morning to you. Ken, good morning to you. Great to hear your voice. Well, it is always great to hear your voice. You know, some are calling this uh, uh, the best radio half hour of the week that is about to uh, about to come up here on WKXL with you talking hockey East and with the uh, head coach Rick Santos of UNH football uh, talking about his team. Some have called it that, believe it or not. Well, I'll tell you, uh, 
Rick Santos, I'm sure, has a lot to say. I mean, that's a, that's a great story, and uh, I, I wish the best for him and the entire UNH community. Uh, things are going really well for the Wildcats all across the board. One of those people that are saying that is a, a big fan of the New York Jets, and I think you know who I mean. and and they're four and three can you believe it john the jets are four and three and the patriots are two and seven what's wrong with this picture yeah yeah it's uh kind of a strange uh, football season and i know you you guys came on the podcast uh my podcast with me earlier and made uh some predictions so i'm gonna have to go back and uh, review that and see how uh on or off we are. So, uh, yeah, but it's been an up, upside-down season for sure, one that we're not accustomed to here as Patriots fans. Uh, that is true, although we are starting to get accustomed to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Over the last unfortunately, week. unfortunately, that's the case, yeah, yeah, It really is. Well, I think I think big changes are on the way. At any rate, uh, we're going to talk a little uh, Hockey East Talk about what the UNH Wildcats men's and women's uh, hockey teams did over the weekend and Merrimack College. Of course, John is the longtime voice of the Merrimack College Warriors of, uh, of Hockey East playing in a uh, refurbished Lawler rink in North Andover, Massachusetts. And uh, for the UNH Wildcat uh, men over the weekend, John, a, uh, a tie and a loss to uh, Providence. Yeah, it was, they were uh, two fine hockey games. Uh, we have a new leader in hockey East as Providence uh, takes over the top spot. But uh, Friday night, it was a 1-1 tie at the Whittemore Center. and uh, I had a chance to talk with Mike Logan, who does the uh, radio for Providence Hockey. and He was mentioning that's the biggest crowd he's seen at the Whittemore Center in quite a while. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that, that the fans turned out and uh, saw a great game. And then uh, the rematch was... Uh, also close down at Schneider Arena on Saturday with the Friars winning 2 to nothing. So goals were hard to uh, come by for UNH this past weekend. But uh, Philip Spedback of Providence was outstanding in goal, and I think he, he's got to get some consideration for uh, goaltender of the week. Yeah, and as you mentioned, John, uh, the Friars now leading the pack in uh, Hockey East with uh, nine points. And a couple of uh, nail-biting losses for, for your team, uh, the Merrimack College Warriors. Yeah, two one-goal losses uh, to Maine. Uh, Friday was, uh, was an up-and-down game, which, which saw Maine uh, prevail 2-1. to one. And then on Saturday, uh, Maine raced off to a 5-1 to one lead, uh, only to see Merrimack battle back in the third period with three goals. And, uh, you know, when Merrimack uh, cut it back to 5-4 to four in that third period, there was three minutes and 47 seconds left in the game, and I thought the Warriors had a legitimate chance uh, to come all the way back. But Maine was able to uh, stave off that late Warrior rally. And a uh, great weekend for Ben Barr's club. Maine is off to a terrific start as uh, they've won five of their first six. And uh, they host Boston College, the number one team in the country this weekend, up at Alphonse Arena in uh-huh. Orono. And uh, those two games are going to be incredible. Oh, so yeah. if, you're, if you're a college hockey fan and you're up uh, in the Bangor Orono area this weekend. You might want to check those games out, but I'm sure the tickets are selling fast. They're probably sold out by now, uh, but uh, it should be a tremendous weekend of hockey up in Orono this weekend. Oh, absolutely so, and uh, you are well aware of the uh, the atmosphere in that building when a when a big game is taking place. Yeah, I've done many games up there over the years. <laughs> We've had some experiences up there. Uh, <laughs> the, the fans are literally right on top oh, of yeah. the action. 
And, uh, you know, you have to watch your crowd, Mike, Ken, when you're broadcasting. Oh, there you sure do. You sure do. Uh, and uh, no uh, doubt no doubt about that. I, I, I have only done a couple of games there. They were uh, Manchester Monarchs, Portland Pirates games uh, over the years when they moved a couple of their games to the Alphonse Arena. And that's my only experience there. But, yeah, uh, even under those circumstances, the, the crowd was, was pretty rowdy. I think it's those red hot dogs that they serve. <laughs> that, that uh, you know, they have those red hot dogs there. Have you ever tried those, John? No, but uh, I can't say I have. But what they used to have up there, they don't have it anymore. Is they used to have a potato bar. Uh, you you could go get a baked potato, and they had all, all the fixings that you could add. Really? To it. Wow. Yeah. 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 But they, for some reason, they've done away with that, and uh, you know that was a shame. But. Uh, Still, you know, it's a wonderful atmosphere. Uh, some people love the place. Some people hate it. But I've always been partial to Alphonse Arena. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a great uh, college hockey atmosphere there. But if you're doing a broadcast, yes, you do have to either uh, do the game on a delayed basis, have a seven-second delay or whatever, or uh, <laughs> be careful with that crowd mic. <laughs> well, just hide the crowd mic. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, 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 those problems are, are you know, Few and far between. I think there was only one time that uh, I had to deal with that. That was back in the way back in the days. But uh, no, the, the fans are very passionate, and, and you love that about college hockey. Uh, that is so true. So uh, Providence on top uh, of the Hockey East standings, uh, followed by uh, UNH and uh, BC and Maine at this point. Yeah, yeah, we have a we have a pretty good race. Uh, BU played a couple of. Uh, tense games with North Dakota this past weekend. and I think that was North Dakota's first trip uh, to BU in over 20 years. And the last time North Dakota uh, went to BU, uh, there was a big brawl between North Dakota and BU during the pregame. So, uh, you know, there was some energy in the building uh, down at BU, but uh, they played a couple of games and and they split. And uh, overall, it was a pretty good week for the men. You know, BC and Maine with the sweeps. PC was uh, 1-0-1 and you had three teams that split. Uh, UMass uh, picked up a win over Northeastern in uh, their only game this weekend. And tough weekend for UMass, Lowell, and Merrimack as they both lost uh, both of the games that they played. But the last time uh, the uh, North Dakota hockey team was uh, at BU, they were the Fighting Sioux. So that's why yeah, they had the big right. brawl there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they've, uh, they're now the Fighting Hawks as uh, – you know, due to the nature of the times, uh, they felt that uh, a change uh, being made to the last name would be uh, beneficial. And uh, so here we are. And uh, North North Dakota doesn't always come east, but it's always a treat when they do because they're a vaunted program. And my, uh, Ken, in the uh, all the years I've done the Merrimack hockey, uh, we've only played North Dakota twice, and that was in North Dakota. Yeah. And uh, they play in uh, a rink that could easily be an NHL rink. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a special place, uh, and oh. especially if you love college hockey. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So how about uh, on the women's side of the Hockey East ledger? Well, on the uh, women's side, uh, you know, you had uh, – a lot of good action. Uh, Boston College uh, picked up a split uh, with um, Maine this weekend. So the Eagles stand alone with uh, 17 points. Uh, UConn checks in at second with uh, 13. Vermont uh, had a tough loss uh, at Holy Cross in overtime, but the uh, Catamounts and the UNH Wildcats are tied uh, with uh, 12 points apiece. And uh, Northeastern, uh, uh, the Huskies have... Uh, 
struggled a little bit this year relative to other years, but uh, you know they uh, they come in at uh, fifth place in Hockey East and uh, BU with a couple of overtime wins over Merrimack, and uh, the Merrimack women have lost three consecutive heartbreaking overtime games. Uh, but uh, the the upside of that is that uh, you gain points with an overtime loss in hockey. So uh, Merrimack did gain two points out of a possible six this weekend, and uh, they've got seven points. So uh, it, it's a great race. You know, when you look at the race from third place down, only six points separates teams three through ten. So uh, there was a lot of competitive action on the women's side, and Boston College continues to lead the pack. The Eagles have played very well in conference play. They're 6-1-1, and one, so they've opened up a four-point lead over UConn. How about those Huskies? Yeah, a great, great hockey program. I know Merrimack's men will take on UConn this weekend in two games. And uh, uh, they've, uh, you know, UConn is known as a basketball school, Ken, of course. Yes, but, they are. You know, uh, hockey certainly uh, has their uh, mark being made with the new building down there in Stores, Connecticut. So uh, they're excited about what's going on down there in UConn for hockey. And, uh, they're playing well, both the men and the women. Yeah, they're certainly known for their basketball. They're not known for their football, that is for sure, uh, at UConn. But uh, nonetheless, the uh, Huskies hockey teams are, are doing well in their uh, great new, brand spanky new arena. I've only seen it from the outside, John. Have you seen it from the inside as yet? I have not seen no. it from the inside or the outside. Oh, so. oh it is spectacular. Spectacular. Oh, that's great. That's great. Of course, I did love doing games at the XL Center, though. Oh, I know the... you did. You you were the one. You were the one who loved doing <laughs> games there. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably, uh, I'm probably in the minority there, Ken. I but, know uh... you are. I know you are in the minority in that regard. Well, yeah. John Leahy, always fun to chat. Uh, about uh, whatever it is, Hockey East, uh, Patriots, you name it. Uh, the status of UConn football, uh, which is not very good at the moment. But at any rate, John, thanks so much, and uh, we will uh, chat again one week from today. Ken, I look forward to it. Thanks, as always. All right. The great John Leahy, our Hockey East guru, right here. Kale and Company Live, WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. We are powered by... Northeast Delta Dental. Stand by for more. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. A delight to have you with us here on this Monday morning, and we welcome back the head coach of football at the University of New Hampshire, Rick Santos. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Good morning, Ken. How you doing? I'm uh, I'm doing very well. I know the uh, Wildcats coming off uh, a loss on a Saturday afternoon at home to uh, Villanova and a battle of the Wildcats. Uh, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good football team we played. Uh, you know, they're ranked in the top twenty-five for a reason. I thought they were as complete of a team as we faced all year in all three phases. You know, we battled hard. Uh, it was back and forth the entire game, and. Um, you know, we had, we had a shot halfway through the fourth. You know, we, we cut it to four or five points and had a drive to go and take the lead. Uh, but ultimately, we had too many turnovers on offense. Um, you know, need to play more clean. That was very uncharacteristic based on how we've been playing all year. So, um, you know, we turned the ball over too many times, and, and I think that was the deciding factor. So you, you, you've played some, some terrific teams this year. Uh, and uh, won some of those games, uh, but uh, this one, uh, you know, didn't go your way. 
Uh, was that the, the best team you've seen this year? I think they're up there, yeah. I mean, um, you know, them, them or Delaware probably, but I think maybe, you know, it'll be interesting those, those two teams play at the end of the year and kind of see who comes out on top right there. But just, you know, big physically imposing offensive line that, uh, that leaned on us a little bit. You know, I thought defensively played really well for the first quarter and a half. Um, and, you know, and then when we kind of racked up some turnovers on offense, I think it just probably it gave Villanova too many extra possessions. Um, and then, you know, they, they were able to get some explosive plays late in the game to, to seal that thing out. But you've been right there in, in so many of those close games uh, this year. It's got to be a little frustrating. What 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 does it take to, to close them out? Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, that, that's that, that's uh, the million-dollar question, Ken. You know, I mean, we, similar guys last year that were able to make those clutch plays, and right now, um, I, I mean, I think it's a culmination of things. I think first and foremost, because of the success we had last year, everybody had a circle, and it's one of the biggest games that we're facing, and, and our competitors are playing their top game against. seems like, you know, every single week, uh, opposing teams are limiting mistakes. They're, they're playing efficient. They're doing things that are against their tendencies. Um, and you got you got to give credit to, to them. To, you know, they're, they're giving us their best shot, and they're finding a way, and we're not. Well, last two games of the season coming up this Saturday at Monmouth and uh, the following week at home against uh, your arch rivals, the, uh, the University of Maine, always a terrific clash there. So, so what is your mindset and the team's mindset heading into the, the last couple of weeks? Are there new wrinkles that are going to be tried? Are you going to uh, use different uh, formations? Uh, uh, what, what's, uh, what's the mindset going into the final two weeks? Well, I think the the mindset is, you know, we got to find a way to get to get this one. I think that the main game playing for the musket, uh, that motivation takes care of itself. You don't need no motivational speeches to get our guys going for that one. So this one's huge. We want to find a way to have a winning season. Uh, you know, we want to see the seniors out the right way. You know, make sure that we're playing inspired for them. And then for the underclassmen, it's just, you know, putting some really good stuff on tape so we can generate as much momentum as we can into the off season. Um, you know, it's when you make the playoffs and if you don't win a national championship, usually you end up losing your last game of the year, which is heartbreaking. So a positive for this is, you know, we have an opportunity to win our last couple games um, and generate momentum and, and find a way to get better this offseason. Yeah, uh, going out with uh, two straight wins certainly uh, would be terrific. How, how do you see the, the progression of your, your underclassmen this year? I think they're doing. I think they're doing a really good job. You know, we, we've got some guys in there that, uh, you know, Colby Ramshaw on offense is one of them. I think he's really stepped up, and um, you know, I think it's something where uh, th- there's enough talent there that we can certainly, you know, not take a step back uh, next year and, and keep going forward with this thing. So excited about the way that those guys have been going. And uh, as you say, you have a great opportunity here to uh, finish off on a positive note, which would be uh, terrific, uh, heading into uh, your, your postseason activities and uh, and uh, what goes on in the off season. Uh, Monmouth uh, at four and five. Uh, what do you what do you think about this week's match matchup? Uh, kind of eerily similar teams in turn. They've had about three or four games uh, decided by a touchdown or less. Some heartbreaking losses. They're very, very good. They're much better than their record indicates. Um, explosive on offense. You know, they're they're number one in total offense, just ahead of us. Um, in terms of yardage, we're just ahead of them in terms of points per game. They got a dynamic running back. Um, I think he's an all, he, 
you know, he was all American last year. He led the nation last year in rushing. I believe he's leading it again this year in Jaden Sheridan. So um, they can really control the game with how they run the football. And then they got some dynamic guys out wide. And I think their defense is, is much improved from a year ago. So this is going to be uh, going to be a tall task for us for sure. But we're excited for it. Somehow you're, you're always able to come up with uh, some positives uh, despite uh, the outcomes on, on uh, certain weeks. Uh, what was the, the, the positive that uh, might have come out of the game against Villanova? Um, you know, I, I, think, I think it was a fast start. Um, I think the kids didn't quit at halftime. You know, we were, we were controlling most of that, and then they got an explosive play and ended up scoring, um, and then they took the, took the lead going right into halftime. Uh, but then again, you know, then we come right down on that, that opening drive in the second half and, and, and punch a score in there. So just able to kind of stay the course. Um, yeah, I'm always going to, I'm always a glass half full type of guy. I think it's, this is a hard enough profession as it is. It's hard to get wins at this level. It's an extremely competitive conference. So, uh, it, you know, I'll be dejected for about a day when we lose and then I got to find a way to pick myself up on turf and, and motivate our guys and keep, keep their spirits high. Well, Rick, we, we appreciate your time as always and wish you the best uh, this Saturday against uh, Monmouth, and we'll uh, talk to you in a week. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Rick Santos, head football coach at the University of New Hampshire and the Wildcats with the two games remaining on the road against Monmouth on Saturday and then the following Saturday at home against their arch rivals, the Black Bears, from the University of Maine. Uh, President Joe Biden, who is uh, perhaps the nation's biggest Amtrak fan, is uh, set to promote new federal investments for trains on the heavily trafficked Northeast Corridor. That's going to take place uh, today. Uh, Biden is headed to uh, Bear, Delaware. That's right, Bear, B-E-A-R, Delaware, uh, to announce more than $16 billion with a B. And new funding that is going to go toward uh, 25 passenger rail projects between Boston and Washington, D.C. Bear is located about uh, 12 miles from Biden's home of uh, Wilmington, uh, Delaware. His remarks will be held at the Amtrak Bear Maintenance Shops, where uh, trains are maintained and repaired. The investments, the White House says, will help trains run faster cut delays, and create union jobs. I love train travel. And uh, it seems our, our president does, too. Uh, he always talked about taking the Amtrak when he was uh, in the Senate from uh, Maryland, from uh, Delaware, I should say, to Washington, D.C. It's the best way to go. I mean, I love train travel, no matter uh, where it is. Uh, the money is going to come from uh, the roughly $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure law uh, that Biden signed nearly two years ago, one of several legislative achievements that the president is touting as he gears up for his reelection bid, although that bid uh, uh, will not include New Hampshire, as we know, because the president is not on the primary ballot uh, for the state of New Hampshire. And it's too late now, Joe, too late now. Uh, from that law, Amtrak will get 66, about $66 billion in new investments, according to the White House. And uh, I would love to see more rail service. And I know many people would. Many people are opposed to it as well. But 
Uh, there's always been talk about uh, rail service uh, that would include, uh, you know, uh, like Concord, Manchester, Nashua to Boston. That would be great. Uh, but there is uh, the the rail that runs from uh, the North Station in Boston uh, through New Hampshire and uh, and up to Maine. And uh, I have never taken it. I have never taken it. I've taken the train from uh, Boston or Connecticut to New York uh, many, many times over the years. And I love train travel. I, I've got to take that uh, that trip from, uh, let's say, Durham uh, up to Maine. Go to L.L. Bean in, in Freeport, Maine. You can get there by train. Who knew? <laughs> we'll take a break. Kale and Company continues. Right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Great to have you with us on this Monday. If you have anything to contribute, uh, not financially, just by way of uh, giving us a call, you can do it. 603-224-1450. Cattle answer the phone. Make you feel relaxed and comfortable to go on the radio. Love to hear from you. 603-224-1450. Kale and Company Live right here, WKXL. NHTalkRadio.com Presented by our good friends at Northeast Delta Dental We'll be right back Kale and Company Live We're here five days a week At eight o'clock WKXL NHTalkRadio.com A delight to have you along with us Talking about uh, train travel which, Which I enjoy very much. I wish I had an opportunity to do uh, more of it. And I'm not here to advertise Amtrak, but but, but why not? Uh, you can uh, travel to Boston, experience one of the oldest cities uh, featuring a wealth of activities. You can do that from New Hampshire. You know, you can get on the train uh, in Durham. Uh, you can get on at Durham and, and go to Boston, or you can you could uh, you know take the train from North Station and do the entire route from uh, Boston. And go as far north as Brunswick, Maine. That is right. As far north as Brunswick, Maine. And in between are towns and seaport villages and a few uh, boutique cities that uh, offer the true quintessential New England experience. And during certain seasons, you can even travel across to uh, Nova Scotia. How about that? Uh, And uh, they have some great packages. Just go to uh, Amtrak.com and uh, and you can find out more. But uh, there's Down Easter uh, travel packages. Why not? Uh, give them a try. It's a great little uh, mini vacation idea that you can take uh, advantage of and uh, enjoy what there is. And there's a lot to offer here uh, in New England. And sometimes we don't take enough advantage of what is in our own backyard. We go to other destinations. We, uh, you know, we go to New York City. We uh, go to uh, to Alaska. We go to Texas, and uh, or uh, Europe, or you name it. And sometimes we don't take advantage of what we have right here uh, in our own backyard, which is a lot. I'm talking about you know, Massachusetts, Maine, uh, Vermont, uh, Connecticut. Even uh, I know what they have to offer in Connecticut. I should probably stay away from them. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's always a lot of fun to get out and uh, traverse the uh, six New England states. Hey, the offseason of Shohei Otani is officially upon us. That's right. Yes, Shohei Otani. 
uh, the most high-profile player in baseball, one of the most high-profile baseball players in the history of the game. Forget about currently, in the history of the game. Shohei Otani is up for grabs, up for bids. Begins with the Angels, a five-day exclusive negotiating window, a time when teams are given the first opportunity to hold on to their own players. In this case, it is merely a formality, a feeble attempt to delay the inevitable. So starting today, the most uniquely talented player in the history of the game. That's right. No, it's, it is right. The history of the game will hit the open market, triggering a fascinating free agent sweepstakes with wonder, mystery, and uncertainty. All right, so uh, this article I'm reading here is from uh, ESPN. So here are the list of potential landing spots. Nobody can say for certain, but most experts, most insiders agree his next destination can be narrowed down to these 10 teams. And do you know? I'm going to ask you a question here. I know you, you, you can answer it if you're driving or at home or wherever you are. Guess which team is at the top of this list? It's the Boston Red Sox on top of the list of these experts. I mean, as a fan, I'm no expert, but as a fan, oh, boy, I would love to see that. I would love to see John Henry open up his pocketbook and give Shohei Otani whatever he wants to come to Boston. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, the Red Sox, I mean, three out of the last four years, folks, they finished in last place. They've got to do something. They've got to make a splash. The TV ratings for the Red Sox are at an all-time low. So they've got to do something in the offseason. They did hire Craig Breslow to be their director of baseball activities or their chief baseball operator or whatever the general manager's position is called these days. But I'll just read you the paragraph, uh, which says that the Red Sox could be at the top of the Otani list. Otani, people around him say, has long been intrigued by Boston. Maybe it's that he can take the Amtrak up the coast to Brunswick, Maine. I don't know. Maybe that's one of the uh, things that intrigues him. I'm not sure. The fact that New Balance, which signed him to a massive endorsement deal, is based there, might help. But the biggest factor for the Red Sox might be three last-place finishes over the past four years and a distaste by their passionate fan base in the wake of Mookie Betts' departure several years ago now. Uh, signing Otani could repair a lot of that ill will. The question is, will the Red Sox act like a true big market team and actually spend this winter? And I say... Yes, they will. All right. I mean, I may be just saying that as a, as a fan and more with my heart than with my head. But I think the Red Sox are sick and tired 
of what they've been hearing from their fan base, from the media, and uh, they're going to do something about it. They're going to do something about it. Television ratings last year uh, on Nesson, the Red Sox, uh, which the Red Sox own, by the way, they own Nesson, and the, the ratings were abysmal this past season for the Boston Red Sox. So they've got to do something about it. There's no question that Shohei Otani would boost ratings considerably, considerably. Now, here's the thing with Otani, as some of you know. He uh, has undergone or will undergo, I'm not sure where it stands right now, Tommy John surgery. Maybe the surgery has already been done. He will not be able to pitch for the Red Sox in 2024 or any team that he signs with. He will not be able to pitch in 2024 because of that surgery. But he will be able to hit. He will be able to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certain if the Red Sox or whichever team uh, is lucky enough to be able to sign him, uh, he, he will he will be the DH. He will be immediately inserted as the designated hitter for, for that team. He will be able to hit. We saw Bryce Harper. He underwent Tommy John surgery. He had a good year. Uh, for the Phillies this past year. He's not a pitcher anyway, so it doesn't make any difference. Uh, but he had a, a transition to first base, a position he never played before because uh, he, he couldn't really throw very well. So anyway, Otani uh, is bound to pitch in 2025. Not 2024, but 2025 when he completely recovers. So before we run out of time, I'll give you the whole list. The Red Sox are on top of that list followed by the Chicago Cubs going back to the Los Angeles Angels, which I don't think is going to happen. I really don't think that is going to happen Uh, because the Angels, and I think Otani and his people know this, they are a jinxed franchise. They really are. The Dodgers, strong possibility. That's the one that really scares me, the Dodgers. Uh, They have plenty of money. Uh, They had... uh, a disappointing finish to the season, for sure. So they will certainly be in the market for Shohei Otani. The Mets, deep, deep pockets. And Steve Cohen, their owner, loves to spend the money on big names. And there's no bigger name in the game than Shohei Otani. Mets followed by the Yankees, of course. What a fit for Yankee Stadium with the short right field. Perfect fit for Yankee Stadium. They scare me, too. San Francisco Giants, Seattle Mariners, Texas Rangers, the world champion Texas Rangers, I should say, and the Toronto Blue Jays round out the top 10 landing spots for the great Shohei Otani. Where will he wind up? It won't be Toronto, folks. It won't be Toronto. And I'll tell you why. I think I could be dead wrong about this, but you know what? You have to pay more taxes when you play for a Canadian team. Uh, so they will be taking more out of his contract, which will probably be in the range of, I, I'm going to guess here, this is my guess, 10-year contract for $600 million. An average of $60 million a year. But he's two players. He's two players. So superstars are making in excess of $30 million a year that only play one position. But he can hit and 
He's among the best pitchers in baseball as well. All right. I don't want to get too excited because if it doesn't happen, I'll be disappointed. But this list puts him at number one. We shall see how it plays out. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. All right. That'll do it for this edition of Kale and Company Live. Thank you for joining us here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. The show is presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Remember, folks, always look on the bright side of life and hope Shoei Otani winds up in Boston. Have a great Monday, everybody.